Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here as we broadcast from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. A quick shout out to some of our local business partners here in the Des Moines metro. Thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They've also got a catering service. Check them out, folks. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Thanks also to Noche Jazz and Cabaret. That's Des Moines' premier jazz and cabaret club located on Walnut Street just south of the Sculpture Park. Sorry, just, yeah, just south of the Sculpture Park in downtown Des Moines. That's Noche. And finally, thanks to Hawk Restaurant located on East 5th and Walnut in Des Moines' East Village where 90% of the food served, even in February, comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. That's Hawk Restaurant. All right, later in the program, uh, Dr. Charles Goldman joining us as we talk about the usual stuff that keeps Charles awake at night or in deep contemplation while he's operating on his, uh, his next patient. Uh, with me for this segment of the program, Lisa Fisk, Uber driver extraordinaire, uh, occasional bold climate refugee penguin, and uh, frequent commentator on all matters political with an angle that makes me look like a raging conservative. Uh, Lisa, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. So your, uh, your love affair with the Democratic Party continues to deepen as, uh, as time moves forward. Uh, you're, um, you're not real happy with the way things turned out in Iowa, are you? Well, um, I would say that things have not turned out in Iowa. So, Fair enough. So things are still kind of up in the air. So what do you think of the fact that Bernie Sanders had 6,000 more votes than second place finisher, finisher Pete Buttigieg, and yet he has two less delegates? Well, um, from what I understand, um, Mayor Pete did very well in the more rural um, precincts. And so this is sort of like the Electoral College. The way that we distribute our delegates, we're not taking power away from the rural areas, the less populated areas. And so we balance that. So yes, somebody so can win the popular so, vote in Iowa so and not get all the delegates. Isn't it? Couldn't you say it's kind of the Electoral College on steroids? I mean, a candidate who wins by 6,000 votes, which is a lot when you've only got 170,000 voting, and what, eight or nine, ten candidates? Right. And, and, yet, and yet that candidate loses. Right, I mean, right. project that to Hillary Clinton versus Don Donald Trump in 2016, and her three million vote margin would have been even more. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's sort of liberal hypocrisy there. It's, you know, whenever, whenever it's the candidate that you really wanted as, as a party and that you pushed and pushed, and she wins the popular vote, but she loses the electoral college. Well, then we need to fix the electoral college. By fix, you mean get rid of. Get rid of or, yeah. you know, but, but the reason that the electoral college exists in the first place is so that California and New York do not pick our presidents. Um, so like so I, think that's, I think that's fair. But the thing is, is that in Iowa, this time. By the way, last time we had a choice between... In terms of president, we had a choice between two New Yorkers. Right. <laughs> Just pointing that out. Right, right, <laughs> so right. So maybe the Electoral College is, isn't even working in that capacity. It, well, yeah, exactly. I, and, and, you know, this is, this is our country and our time, and we're certainly, um, we're certainly obligated to look at our systems and, and, and update them for our world that we live in today. You know, you but know, now with, with Iowa, though, with what happened in Iowa— we still have so many irregularities. We have a situation where our former IDP chair um, actually hired a lawyer who then said that, yes, we have found lots of irregularities with, with the counts, um, that, that, that the delegates actually were not distributed correctly. We don't have an accurate count of anything. So how did Bernie Sanders win 6,000 more votes than Pete Buttigieg and still be short two delegates. Um, and I'm saying that I think the reason for that is actually fraud. So, and, and there's a lot of that conversation going around. There are a lot of folks who say, well, not fraud, simply incompetence. How do you respond to the crowd that says, no, nope, just incompetence? Well, that's a nice dodge. 
uh, that's a nice dodge. But the thing is, is that in Iowa, we have always hand counted our votes. We've always hand counted them and then called into the hotline and said, this is what we have in this precinct. And then they did their tabulations and we were able to project a winner the, the same night of the caucuses. So what did we do? We got this, this counting app. So now we have gone from hand counting our votes to machine counting our votes. Machines that fail. Ex well, I we mean, don't we don't know. There's no way to audit this, and right. and we found out because we're trying to get it audited, and now we have an attorney stepping in and saying, well, we can't change anything. Whenever the actual paperwork that that tells you what happened in each precinct, mm -hmm. things have not been added up correctly, and they are they're not even able to go in and correct mistakes. Yeah, and I used to be. Well, I, I still am a big fan of the caucuses. I think the the cool kind of down home you know, neighborhood uh, dialogue that occurs is, is uh, unique in the democratic process. But I, you know, I, I, the, I, the more I think about it, the more I analyze it, the more questions I have about whether this is truly how democracy should work. And there are so many people who get excluded from the caucuses, mm -hmm. um, the elderly, uh, those who have children at home who can't leave them at home, who don't want to bring them with them, uh, those who don't want to venture out in bad weather. We didn't have that this year, but that's not uncommon to have really bad weather the first week of February. I had several friends who were not able to caucus because they were at work. Yeah. And you as an Uber driver might have found yourself in that position on a normal night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, there's, there's very little to defend when it comes to analyzing the caucuses through the lens of democracy. There's not much to defend there. And then it gets worse when you start thinking about, about how the whole thing is, is, is parceled out. You know, we don't count, the national media doesn't count the number of votes, it counts the number of delegates. And the delegates are distributed in very bizarre ways. You can have some precincts where only three delegates are elected. You can have some precincts where it only takes 15, 20 people to get a delegate. In my precinct, it took 58 people to get a delegate. So mm -hmm. it's all it's all sorts of um, well, imbalances. And they, and, and they figure that out based on how many people actually show up to caucus. So that's another way that it can be skewed. Um, we're not we're not we're not adding up our delegates on a basis of how populated is that precinct. We're adding it up in terms of how many people actually show up. So that, that comes out of that. That's yeah. the the so-called caucus math that all these people are talking mm -hmm. about. But but to get back to an earlier point, it turned out that it was the Pete Buttigieg campaign. And a lot of Hillary Clinton alum, uh, some of them actually went back to Bill Clinton campaigns. These were the people who were involved, and of course Tom Perez at the DNC. Involved with the app. Involved with developing the app, right. with springing it on the um, the precinct chairs, the volunteers that the that our IDP sent. They trained. I went to one of their caucus trainings for the precinct chairs to see what was going on. And I went probably two or three weeks before the caucus. Not a word was said about this app. So let, let's presume that uh, that there was some malfeasance, and I don't want to make that assumption myself, but let's just presume there are certainly plenty of people who think that there was an effort to create, intentionally create an app that was going to fail. Uh, do you think the Democratic Party chair, now former chair, Troy Price, would have been in on that uh, scheme, or was he an innocent victim that it just kind of got dumped on? Um, it's hard for me to think that Troy Price was an innocent victim simply because whenever I went back through, um, for instance, the IDP is staffed with a lot of Hillary Clinton campaign alums uh, that, like I said, go all the way back to Bill Clinton, not to mention the fact that he, um, in 2016, tweeted about how the Hillary Clinton campaign helped save her victory in 2016. <laughs> save or steal, depending on who you talk to, right? Right. At, at the, from the, uh, from the uh, uh, Polk County Convention in 2016, which is where um, Iowa was stolen from Bernie Sanders. Now, you are a Bernie Sanders supporter. Yes. And there are there there are mixed voices on this conversation. Right now, Sanders is doing quite well in both the polls and in the uh, first two comp contests and polling very well in Nevada and South Carolina. 
some are starting to say, wow, Bernie Sanders could win the nomination. Now, it's possible that he could, quote, win the nomination in terms of the best performance within the, uh, within the uh, primaries and caucuses, but it's possible, of course, that the, uh, in the uh, Democratic Party convention, the national convention, they could find a way to change that, bringing back the superdelegates, making sure that some, uh, some candidate more comfortable to the corporate element of the party uh, gets, the, gets the nominee that they want. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> there are folks saying, well, no matter who gets the nomination, We've got to get behind them because Donald Trump is so problematic that we can't let we can't let him serve another four years. What are you hearing among Bernie supporters? Are they agreeing with that, or are they saying, "Hey, if if they, if they steal the election from us, we're out"? What are you hearing? I'm hearing a lot of frustration. Um, I am also starting to hear Bernie or bust again. Yes. Yeah. And so, what 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 are, what are some of the specific? Uh, angles that you're hearing from people who are saying that? Um, well, one of the uh, one of the things that I'm hearing is frustration over the Bernie bros narrative um, that the people who support Bernie Sanders are being I, I mean, this is as indefensible as, as racism as far as I'm concerned, because everybody who supports Bernie Sanders is being pigeonholed into a, a, a particular uh, type of a person that might be considered like a deplorable or we're being labeled tagged. <laughs> deplorable. You're, you're referring back to Hillary Clinton's campaign or Hillary Clinton herself using the term deplorable to describe some of Donald Trump's supporters. Right. So right. you've heard that actually applied to Sanders supporters as well? Well, the the whole Bernie bros narrative is 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 coming back. Yeah. And 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 people are being labeled with this Bernie Bros and of course it where it, it's being said and it's being said in the national media um, on MSNBC. There are a lot of people complaining about the Bernie Bros and how abusive they are online and all of this and personally I haven't seen any of that. And that means Bernie Brothers. Yes. Right? Yes. And so you're you're you would be a Bernie sis. I guess I'm a Bernie bro. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you know, again, there, well, there, there are people from all walks of life that are supporting a candidate. And just as there are people from all walks of life who supported Trump's candidacy. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it reminds me of whenever they, whenever, whoever it was that got into one of Mitt Romney's uh, private donor sessions Whenever he said, well, there are 47% of the people that you're not going to be able to get to care about their lives. And there was such a backlash yeah, about that. that. I remember that. And, and to me, this is really sort of the same thing. What we're going to do is we're going to pigeonhole all these people as like they're crazy or they're abusive. And we're going to dismiss them and we're going to dismiss their needs. And, you know, how much of the electorate is that actually? Is it 47% of us? Mitt Romney, might be, he might be right on that. Well, yeah, he may have been right <laughs> on that, right but on the that. point is, is yeah. that it really tanked his candidacy because forty-seven yep. percent of Americans said, "We do care about our lives." You shipped our jobs off to mm. China and Mexico, right. and um, you know we don't have any health care. We're dying in you know of treatable illnesses. So, why is the Democratic Party, uh, the the established element within the party, why are they so opposed to the uh, Sanders candidacy, or for that matter? I suspect some degree a Warren candidacy and certainly a Tulsi Gabbard candidacy. I mean, they they really went hard after Tulsi to the point where the the the, the corporate media have um, basically refused to cover her anymore. I mean, look what CNN did with her can her in, in New Hampshire. They refused to even give her a town hall form, even though they let what Patrick Duvall and and other candidates who and, weren't even and polling. Who? It. <laughs> yeah, and, and who? Right, who? exactly. So so I mean, there there's an element I mean within the party and within the media that just really that don't want Bernie Sanders. And I guess some, some one question people are asking is, do they, did, would they actually prefer Donald Trump as president? Would some Democrats and the corporate media prefer Donald Trump as president over Bernie Sanders? They would. They would. They've been, I mean, if you've ever caught Jimmy Dore's show, he actually did a show where he showed some of the talking heads on MSNBC talking about how they really would prefer Trump. This is what I think it is. This is what I think it is, because I hear um, I hear conservatives talk about how um, social media are throttling them and they think it's because they're conservative voices, you know, that it's OK for the Democrats to say whatever and do whatever. 
but the conservatives can't. So they're definitely seeing that there's a double standard. But what I've seen is that voices like Jimmy Dore are being throttled. Voices like Tulsi Gabbard are being throttled. And the same thing is happening on the right. And so whenever I look at, okay, we have a lot of things that we don't agree on politically. You know, this is this is across the political spectrum. And yet, what? so what do all of these people have in common? And they're all peace activists. They're all people who are tired of the endless regime change wars. They're tired of the na national security state. They're critical of the Bushes. They're critical of the Clintons. We have them in there. We, you know, we have them in the Republican Party. We have them in the Democratic Party. And we are so blind. So basically you're saying they are people who are tired of the status quo. I, I would say that they are. And the status quo has become incredibly toxic. Um, yeah, I mean, usually the status quo is just, hey, let's have a piece of uh, Wonder Bread with some bologna on it. And that's the status quo. Well, now the status quo has become, let's have a piece of uh, rancid bologna. <laughs> on moldy bread and that is the status quo well you're making me hungry lisa i know I'll right yeah, cheers yeah, ed yeah, cheers. we need to go over to gateway and get some real food <laughs> so let's flip this a bit there are there are, and you're hearing this more recently than i mean it's just in the last week or so i think that there are bernie sanders supporters who might not want to support a mainstream you know corporate friendly democratic nominee but we're also hearing the flip side and we heard it from as Tulsi Gabbard refers to her, the queen of the warmongers. So, <laughs> well, whatever you want to, how are, there's lots of um, both positive and negative ways that Hillary Clinton is referenced, but she is certainly an emblem, emblem of the establishment. And she said in, in advance of the release of the feel-good video about her, li her life that she wasn't sure she'd support Bernie if he got the nomination. So that, 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 that conversation is happening in both directions. Mm -hmm. do, you think, do, you, do you seriously think there are people on the, within the establishment of the party, the, the more you know, conventional Democrats who are not upset with the status quo, who have probably benefited from the status quo, do you think there are folks on that camp who would simply not vote for Bernie Sanders if he was the nominee? I mean, it's hard to put you, Uber driver Lisa, in the in in the mind of a, an establishment Democrat. I know that's a big stretch, and you look puzzled and troubled right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I don't I don't know what they would do. I whenever whenever I talk to people who watch a lot of MSNBC uh, or people who watch a lot of Fox, I can tell you know what they're listening to. I can tell who's propaganda is sort of programming them and priming them. So I can't really predict at this point what any of these people will do. I don't even know if they can think for themselves or if they have the will or the desire to mm. think for themselves. And the thing is, um, you know, not to sell any voters short, a lot of us are very busy with our lives and our careers and our families and our, you know, whatever obligations we have. And quite frankly, keeping up with politics and world events and, you know, all of these other things that, that maybe seem so far away that they don't impact our lives directly, it's very hard to keep up with that stuff. Yeah, you, the easiest thing in the world is to turn on the 10 o'clock news or right. whatever time you have and catch it in sound bites for a half an hour or if you're an and Uber, call it a day. Or if you're an Uber driver, the easy thing to do is to turn on uh, the big radio station and listen to, listen to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, I can't really actually do that, but okay. But yes, I mean, I, you know, and I had serious radio in my car for a while, and I did. I would flip back around different channels, but that's me. A lot of people don't do that. They're not going to take the time to do that. Who has time to read 10 different newspapers mm -hmm. every day? Who has time? Right. If, you, if you're a lawyer, you're going to read the Wall Street Journal for the things that you need to know to do whatever it is you have to do that day, win for that client. Right. You know, so I can't. And, and there's, so, there's so much stuff coming at you every day that you just start to shut down. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to predict what people will do. It's hard to predict. But one thing that I think I could predict with some degree of accuracy, wherever a person falls on the political spectrum, if you are a person who has a conscience, 
and you're a decent person and you think that people who cheat should not be allowed to get away with cheating and they should not be allowed to benefit from their crimes, if you are one of those kind of people, um, at the end of the day, by the time it, you know, just like what happened in 2016, 49.6% of us did not vote in that election. Almost 3 million of us who did vote left the POTUS section blank on their on their ballot. Why would that be? I think, I know why I didn't vote, um, and I think a lot of us don't decide to deal with an election by just sitting it out because it's so polluted that you don't want to have anything to do with it after a while. And, wh and what about the argument that as, um, as unpalatable as Hillary Clinton might have been to you, Donald Trump is so much worse? <sighs> Thank God Hillary Clinton lost. <laughs> He's not worse. He is not worse. We could have a whole separate conversation about that, but um, we're out of time. Um, well, I'll leave it with this. Okay. This is why this is why at that time I did not think Donald Trump would, although I could never in a million years vote for the guy um, because of, because of this. Hillary Clinton herself. We came, we saw, he died. Ha ha ha. And that was what she had to say after she saw Gaddafi be sodomized with a bayonet and beaten cruelly to death. Well, it's kind of the way, uh, way Donald Trump has responded to, and most recently to the, uh, to the execution of uh, Soleimani. Well, he... With glee, bloating. Right, uh, right, right. Well, I mean, know. clearly he's a... Clearly he's a, a... If anybody interfered in our election, it was Bibi Netanyahu. And clearly, because he, he actually gave Netanyahu the okay to go ahead and assassinate Soleimani, and then a couple months later, we did it. Well, we are definitely out of time, and uh, we'll have to get back to this, Lisa. Thanks for joining us, Lisa Fisk, folks, a Uber driver, occasional uh, bold climate penguin refugee, and, uh, <laughs> and political commentator with, a, with an edge. We'll be back in a few minutes, folks, with uh, Dr. Charles Goldman joining us here on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the lively cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. Noche is the premier home in Des Moines for jazz and cabaret. With its prime downtown location and stylish ambiance, Noche attracts both national acts and local favorites, including Max Wellman, Gina Gedler, Scott Smith, Tina Haas Finley, and Nick Leo. Every Wednesday night, you can enjoy the progressive sounds of one of America's longest-running jazz orchestras, the Des Moines Big Band. Noche also offers a world-class cocktail bar and serves a variety of small plates. If you haven't been to Noche, you haven't experienced the fullness of Des Moines' cultural revival. If you have, we're sure you'll be back. Noche, located on Walnut Street, just south of the Sculpture Park in downtown Des Moines. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. A quick shout out to our local business partners here in the Des Moines Metro. Thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's our anchor sponsor. That's my grocery store and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. Gateway also has an excellent catering service. Check them out, folks, that's Gateway Market and Cafe. And thanks to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been treating all creatures great and small for over 30 years. That's Story County Veterinary Clinic. Finally, thanks to Ritual Cafe, 
on 13th Street in downtown Des Moines. Fair trade coffee, fair trade tea, and an all-vegetarian menu. All right, so moving on from a hardcore conversation about politics to another conversation about politics. Uh, Dr. Charles Goldman in the studio with me. And uh, yeah, I know anymore when people think about politics, they think specifically about candidates and elections, but it's what happens after the elections that really matters. And, you know, we're paying all this attention to Donald Trump's crazy tweets. But meanwhile, the deregulation that is occurring relevant to protecting the environment is astounding. And Charles has a few thoughts to share on that. Well, I think, you know, the reason I wanted to bring this up is that, uh, as we know, the two pillars of the supposed economic renaissance that uh, the Trump administration is uh, claiming are the tax cut and deregulation. Right. Uh, one thing we should say is that um, 90 percent of the deregulation efforts that have been uh, attempted by the Trump administration have either been completely struck down by courts or are stuck in the courts, which yeah. is actually a record number. Well, and which is amazing because the courts are being re, re, remodeled after a very radically right wing you know, perspective. Right. And actually, we'll talk about in the next segment that um, the remodeling of the courts um, under the guise of uh, getting rid of judicial activism is actually <laughs> uh, remodeling based on uh, dominionist theories and also the deregulation aspect of things. I mean, let, let, let's face it. I mean, Donald Trump does not really have any political philosophy or any original ideas. Sure he does. Uh, he, no, he's it's simply... A it's a philosophy of that what's good for me is good for everyone else. What's good for my base is good for me. Oh, you, no, I, That's well, correct. I, think, I, I would say what's good for me is good for my base. Yeah. Well, but the irony is... is, is what, <laughs> Which isn't true. Is deregulation really good for his base? No. Well, especially when you... You know, if it was deregulating some of the burdensome... Uh, laws and regulations on small business owners that, you know, that are just kind of kind of creating headaches and paperwork for small business operators. Mm-hmm. I get that, but that's not what this is about, right? And you know, I I feel particularly sensitized to this because you know I spent um, almost seven years in West Virginia, in one part of it, in the western part, which is abuts the uh, former coal mining areas uh, near Kentucky or in Kentucky, and then um, on the northern border were, again, the, the dead mining areas of western Pennsylvania. Um, and these are the people who are victims of deregulation. Um, I, I was, these are the same people who I, I walked by their homes back in 2014 and saw the signs, uh, tell Obama to stop killing the coal industry. Right. Yeah. You know, these, these are the people who, uh, remember one of the first deregulations was one related to the coal industry in which it allowed the coal uh, companies to take the uh, toxic soil that would be uh, remaining after they blew the mountaintop off to get to the coal vein and to plow it down the side of that mountain Is into the streams. Coal ash? Well, it was more than coal ash because, yeah. you know, coal ash is, is, is toxic in a different way. But, I mean, when you're just taking... Uh, the tailings from mountaintop removal and sticking it into streams, the same streams that the people who worked on mountaintop removal drink from, uh, you're creating what we're seeing all the time in, in places like West Virginia. Uh, we have cancer clusters. You know, mm. There was an article about... Uh, and you lived in West Virginia I lived in, for a while. No, you, as you, I said, you, I you lived in West Virginia. There, yeah. I lived in West Virginia for and almost pra- seven you, years. You practiced there as a, as, a, as, a, as a surgeon. That's correct. And so, um, for instance typical town in West Virginia called Minden, M-I-N-D-E-N. Um, the town used to have 4,000 people in it. Now it's down to less than 1,000. At this point, uh, 6% of the population dies annually from cancers. Um, some of them, you know, what we consider routine cancers, others weird ones. Uh, for instance, they're seeing this pituitary tumor um, where people who have it can eat 5,000, 6,000 calories a day and can't keep any weight on. Hmm. So um, now here it's not so much the coal miners, but it was uh, a a coal machinery service company, which was allowed to contaminate the soil with PCBs, um, which are long-acting. They would use them in cleaning. They would use them in cleaning, right. And so instead of having to take these oil-based solvents and dispose of them responsibly, they would just dump them into the, the rivers, or they would, you know, 
have them in tanks that would leak into the soil. And so essentially the town has been on it has been a Superfund site hmm. um, for decades. And, and, and you know, normally when you're designated a Superfund site, the intent is to earmark funding to help clean that up right. as expeditiously as possible. Apparently, uh, two decades is not enough no, time. No, and of course, the, the other part of this is that the company that caused the uh, soiling of the environment went bankrupt, and there was no... Um, you know, there was no uh, note taken that there should be some, pay, you know, some funds available to continue the cleanup mm. or to at least pay the government a portion of the cleanup costs. I mean, in spite of the fact that this is still a toxic town, the government has actually spent a number of millions of dollars trying to get the soil out of there. And ultimately, they really probably should just pay people to leave. But people don't want to leave. They want to leave don't on mass. Don't blame them. It's, it's, the, That's right. it's, it's their it's home. It's their home. Sure. But their homes are worthless. They can't resell the home. Yeah. And they can't drink the water in it, some cases either anymore. Yeah. And it's just yeah. too easy when you live in a city, although we don't want to talk about Flint, but when you live in cities, most of the damage we do in these industrial processes is in rural communities. Well, no, no, not always. I mean, look, look at uh, Gary, Indiana. Yes, uh, but I mean, you've got places like that all over the but country. But the majority too. of the poisons are sure. are not apparent sure. to, no, and, to the majority and, and, and of the population. In many cases, targeted to Native communities. That's correct. Yeah. Native American lands, Uranium, in particular, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you you mentioned coal ash. I mean, coal ash is radioactive. It it's thought that just the issue of coal burning for electricity. You know, causes ten to fifteen thousand deaths a year in the United States. It certainly creates a huge problem with asthma for huge numbers of people, and these are all the socialized costs. Essentially, all these corporations say, "Well, you know, we want free enterprise, but we don't want to really." It's just like the pipeline companies, right? Right. They don't want to really put money aside for the cleanups because we're going to pay for the cleanup, but they take the profits while we're doing it. So, looking at again, Trump has uh, the Trump administration has deregulated. I don't know. I mean, well over a hundred, I believe. Yeah, the number. Environmental regulations. The number is eighty-five. Eighty-five. They've okay. attempted eighty-five rollbacks. Yeah. Okay. And so, which one are we specifically talking about in terms of impacting West Virginia? Uh, again, mostly mine residue. Okay. Uh, then that, you no longer have to maintain that like you would have in previous. And you know, you don't have to do okay. it in such a way that's unlikely to poison the water. Um, these, you know, and then others involved with. Some, some industrial chemicals are being declared, despite the science from even the EPA itself, as, as not um, dangerous, even and, and that's when payback, we know they are. And that's payback to who? It, well, it's payback. Which, which big contributor or pal, golfing buddy, is getting... Sure. I mean, that's getting, all it's about. Getting that, that that's all it's about. And what the, you know, so what it's presented to the American people and to the, the, the voting population as all these regulations... Getting government off our backs, Well, right? that, get government off our backs, and regulations cost money, and things would be more expensive. You know, the, the, the irony about this argument, because it's the same argument about the minimum wage, right? The irony about this argument is that people who have enough resources can make choices. <clears throat> in other words, if you're at the point of income in this country where you can take care of your everyday needs and, and the rest of your income is in some sense disposable, you can make choices to pay higher prices for certain things that you don't need. You know, so you, you, you've got... And, 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 the, and the problem is, is that the people who are on fixed incomes, on the entitlements, as the Republicans love to call them, are the ones who are obviously hurt the most by prices going up. And then, therefore, the government has to subsidize so that they're able to afford these things. But we, in many ways, would be better off if prices reflected more, not just the cost of production, but the cost of mitigating the environmental harm that's done by these companies, so that we would have less consumption. And then, of course, it, you know, it needs, because as you say, the vulnerable populations are invisible. Well, who are they? Native Americans, the supposedly only white Appalachians, which in fact is totally untrue, because Appalachia has lots of people of color who are just as destitute as the, the poor whites who populate right. this area. And again, mm -hmm. I lived in Huntington, West Virginia. That is the middle of Appalachia. Yeah. You know, I and, worked and, up and, in western Pennsylvania, and, south of Pittsburgh. And more racially diverse than a lot the, of people imagine. That's correct. Right? But the point is, is that these are the people who are paying the price 
And because of their inability to be moved from these areas or they're not having the desire to move from these areas, somehow they are down with this kind of um, exploitation, their own exploitation, you know, yeah. which well, is what's really sad. Yeah. So, so they, they I, mean, I mean, again, people, uh, they, they buy the argument, and the arguments that come at you thick and constantly, mm-hmm. uh, not just from Trump tweets, but from, uh, from Fox News, from uh, talk radio. I mean, the vast majority of what you hear on the airwaves is not, uh, is not balanced, is not, uh, not even moderate. Mm-hmm. It's pretty extreme and very much uh, in defense of these kinds of, kinds of policies. So people hear this stuff over and over and over again. And it's hard not to believe what you hear all the time. Well, I think that's that's absolutely true of many issues Lies. now. And, and, and that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that and the, lie he, the lie here is that these regulation, these rollbacks are good for you. And, mm-hmm. and by any objective analysis, they're not. Uh, they're con- then contrary to that. They're actually really, really bad for people. Well, again, they, it goes to the same thing. It goes to this that all costs... Um, that are put on corporations or other businesses are going to be passed on to the consumer and therefore we shouldn't do them. Now, ironically, costs that are passed on to the consumers from tariffs that this administration, yeah. uh, you know, put in place seem to be ignored as that's costing us more. Um, and it, it's really interesting. I mean, yeah, I know you and I were going to talk at one point and have a segment on, you know, what is it about... The, this notion that the government is bad. I mean, I'm so sick of hearing Reagan, you know, and his statement about government. Um, and it's interesting because if you present to people that people are on welfare, it's, it's really strange. Even though they are, in fact, a huge beneficiary of government largesse, and we're talking, of course, about most of the red states, um, they do not see themselves on welfare. Right? They, see, they see welfare as something very specific. And so they don't identify their own situation in a weird way. And so therefore they're very prone to believe that um, you know, government interference, i.e. regulation, is bad. So what are some other examples of these rollbacks that, uh, that people... I mean, again, the corporate media is not covering this stuff very much. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's fertilizer and pesticides that have been declared in spite of, again, the science that the EPA itself did prior to Trump coming in that are continuing to be sold. Um, it's obviously, as, as you and I both know, it's the issues around the mileage, fleet mileage for, um, you know, for American cars. Um, the science there was so bad that even Trump's own hand-picked scientific panel said this study claiming that by not going from 39 to 50-something Miles per gallon. Yeah, miles yeah. per gallon fleet mileage, average mileage. You know, they, they managed to put out a report saying it would cost $250 billion and I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of jobs if we went to 50 instead of 39, which was what Trump is proposing. It, it, the, 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 the miscalculations that led to that, including like not dividing multiple numbers by four, um, was so obvious to the people who, who just did a cursory reading of the, the supposed science that basically when they redid the science, the scientific panel, which again was mostly people from the industry who were involved in this, um, they basically said, oh no, in fact, it would probably save about $80 billion and uh, you know, would obviously reduce our consumption of, right. of, of oil and gas, which would save Americans a lot of money. But now the, the uh, automobile companies, by and large, were on board with the Obama mileage uh, changes. Right, but, it but, don't, but remember that when the, as soon as Trump came in, a bunch of them approached them about saying, well, we yeah. don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. So because, well, because they make more money selling SUVs and, and, and pickup and, trucks. And pickup right? trucks. And it is amazing how many people, uh, single occupancy pickup trucks and SUVs you see on the road. Yeah, it, well, you know, yeah, it's way more than it used to be. The environmental regulations, uh, some others, uh, certainly air quality standards. Are being diminished. You got a specific example or two to share there? Um, I'm trying to remember specifically. Uh, mostly to do with coal, coal power plant emissions. Oh, yeah. As to how you talking would, mercury and well, correct, and and, and how it, that they would now have to be. Um, you would have to take into account economic impact to reach that, and then you could decide. And they also wanted to put it back to the states, which would then allow the states that are favorable to coal 
mining and coal burning would go ahead and of course weaken the standards. So that was another area. Water standards, which is, you know, again, fighting to get these the runoff from, you know, farmers' fields that would have been under the, you know, the Obama regulations, the waters of the United States regulations, to turn those back. So has there been much pushback from the uh, Democratic uh, members of Congress? Uh, I would say not visibly so. Most of, this, most of the fight has been people like yourself, has been groups that have been able to get legal standing to sue the government to stop them from doing this. Yeah. You know, and as I said, it's unusual to have this number of cases in court about environment. What, what's happening is, is they can't prove the science. And you actually can't, in spite of what President Trump thinks, you can't simply, by fiat, change these regulations. You actually have to do the studies to prove their benefit. Um, and you have to prove to a court it's not a capricious change. For all of them, or is this just for a, some? For some, some okay. For some uh, of them. And some of these rollbacks have gone into effect. Well, some of them have. I mean, yeah. the one related to the pipelines were essentially uh, diminishing the amount of time that you were allowed to do your environmental studies, uh, reducing the number of pages of the reports from right. like unlimited to like 60 with pictures for the president. Um, <laughs> you know, so all these things are incrementally trying to roll back long-established policy. Some of them are happening at the legislative level as well. I mean, look at the number of states that have introduced, where, where you've seen bills introduced to criminalize protest uh, along pipeline, uh, pipeline or fracking sites. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really no logic to the idea that that should be any more of a curtailment of First Amendment rights than anywhere else. Sure. But that industry is very powerful. Well, it is. I mean, that's another area. I mean, you want to talk about an industry which is, is the Wild West at this point. Nobody knows what they're putting in these fracking wells, right? right? They yeah. claim that it's proprietary and they don't have to tell us right. what seeps into the water next to, you know. Again, where are they fracking? Do you have a fracking well in Des Moines? Uh, no, no. Well, they're getting they're getting sand, frac sand from Northeast Iowa, which has been that's right. And, and and sometimes these PCBs are put, when they oil the roads, they're in sure in the oil that they. No, use. most of the most of the sites where fracking is occurring tend to be rural communities. Absolutely. Again, in many cases, uh, native communities. See, and this is this is what's not, this is what's what's very strange about this, which is as you point out, the people who are whose lives are put at risk are the people who live in rural communities for the most part. Flint was an abnormality in the sense that it was an urban area in which the entire population was put at risk. But usually it's in the rural areas. But it was a poor minority, largely minority urban area. That's true. Yeah, so, Absolutely true. So that, right. that, that, that kind of goes along with your theory. Yeah. yeah. That even, even though it was urban, it was, it was uh, had some of the very characteristics that a lot of these other places... And, and you know, it is part of the, the, the cult of selfishness that we've generated in this country, that people who live in the affluent suburbs, even sometimes people who are pretty woke, mm. you know, it, it's all okay as long as they don't see it. And, you know, some you know, if you remember, Ted Kennedy was against them putting... Windmills. The windmills in, uh, offshore yeah. near, yeah, near where he might see them. I mean, right. you know, there's, there's hypocrisy all over. But, but the people who pay the price are the very people who, for the most part, vote for Republicans and vote for the president. And interestingly, uh, Ted Kennedy won that conversation. But the, Did he? Uh, yeah. but, the, but the farmers in northern Iowa who uh, don't like to see these massive uh, mid-American-owned uh, wind turbines coming in, they, they, they don't seem to be winning. No. That's so, true. To your point. <laughs> yeah. So again, I mean, just to, to wrap this up, what, up the, um, you said most of the opposition to these rollbacks is happening, uh, instigated by citizens, by small organizations, maybe by some larger environmental organizations, mm -hmm. but you don't see a lot of agitation or, or pushback from the Democrats in Congress. Is that fair? Yes, and I, and I do think part of that is because it makes people uncomfortable who, you know, let's face it, the, the, the voters for Democrats are predominantly urban voters. And I think it makes them uncomfortable to face the reality of the price that other people are paying for them, you know, to have cheap electricity. Yeah. So you're saying that uh, the, the Democratic lawmakers are basically doing the will of their constituents who don't want to really see this problem addressed either. That's, that's, a big, that's a big accusation. Well, when you get, when you get a, 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 a professional political class whose only goal is to be in power, then you, you, you start picking off people who might be willing to risk that this is my opportunity for truth-telling, this is my opportunity to cha challenge 
your comfortable assumptions. And that, uh, you, you'll make that observation in a bipartisan way. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. No, this is, this is. The this political is, class is not one party or the other. No. This is, this is on both sides. Now, they don't when, want to discomfort their constituents. When right-wing radio talk show hosts use that, they typically, they, they imply that it's the Democratic side, which I think is... Well, of course, I'm here. Yeah, that's a joke. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm absolutely. I think that it, you have to... You know, it, it, it baffles me. If you had the opportunity to be the most powerful person in the world, you, you're president of the United States. You mean States. like Tom Brady? Yeah, like Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, if you had the opportunity to, to be the president of the United States for four or eight years... This would seem like you would want to do something as a legacy um, that advances humanity. And yet we end up with people who are many times totally uninterested in that. All they are there is to serve the people who paid to get them there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of pundits on, on, the, le on the left who've said, you know, why don't we just have like NASCAR? If you're a senator or a representative, you should yeah. just have the corporate sponsors on your jacket. Right. Yeah. And let's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so right, right, right. That would tell you where they're coming from. All right. So now that we've outlined the problem here in this segment, we'll come back in the next segment and solve it. Well, well no, we won't solve Maybe. it. We'll explain it a little bit. We'll explain bit. it a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> Folks, right. you're listening to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with Dr. Charles Goldman here. We'll be back in a minute. When it's time to entertain, think of Gateway Market to handle all the details. Gateway offers a wide variety of stress-free options like cut-to-order cheese and charcuterie, a delicious olive bar, and a wide variety of chef-prepared dips and spreads. Or let Gateway's catering team take care of the entire event, right down to the wine and beer pairings. Gateway's expert floral designers can even customize the perfect centerpieces. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more information. Gateway Market, good food, great entertaining. Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's h-o-q-table.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here. We are continuing our broadcast from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Thanks to our business partners here in the Des Moines Metro, our business and organizational partners. Thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's my grocery store in the Sherman Hill neighborhood. Also a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They're open seven days a week. They've also got a great catering service. That's Gateway Market and Cafe. Thanks also to Bold Iowa, fighting climate change and the uh, leading the opposition to the Dakota Access Pipeline. It's a local organization in Des Moines, but covers the entire state of Iowa. That's boldiowa.com. Thanks also to Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Take a class and learn how to turn your lawn into dinner. That's birdsbeesurbanfarm.org. All right, welcome back to the show. Charles Goldman with me in the studio here. We're going to take a look at the, um, the, the religious aspect of President Trump's administration. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's fairly well known that Donald Trump is not the most devout person ever to inhabit the White House. And yet, uh, somehow, religion has found its way into his administration. Well, uh, he, his is not the first administration that that's the case. I right. Think that, but this um, may be the most extreme example. Well, it's the most extreme example because of the type of evangelical he surrounded himself with. Mm -hmm. um, there, there was a spectacle that uh, was, to my mind, I mean, just nauseating to watch when he launched that group, Evangelicals for Trump. 
And he did this at a mega church down in Florida with a uh, a minister who actually was this, her church was the subject of an investigation by of all people. Uh, that was just last the year. Senate. Right? No, no, this was back in two thousand seven. No, no, the oh. the evangelical get together was was just recently. Okay, that's what I'm. Thinking that's where of, they yeah. were all touching him yeah, and yeah. praying over. Yeah, him. yeah. <laughs> and that went on for almost an hour or so. Um, How but, could he stand it? <laughs> well, he 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 was his usual smug self, but. Um, this was a, a, a church of, of, again, this female uh, evangelical pastor who Chuck Grassley actually led the investigation of the improprieties with the way they were right. you know, spending the money. Questioning, you're questioning their, the, the validity of their tax status. <laughs> exactly, right, their right. nonprofit status. But among other things, not just that, but <laughs> just the way they were handling okay, so, you know, the I mean, funds that were supposed to be the church. But Trump is, by any objective standard, a fairly irreligious guy. And yet he has been very well, he, popular among the evangelical, you know, component of the Christian. Because, because he has surrounded himself, and, and, and I think the term, the, the term everyone should know out there and Google is dominionism. Diminuism. Dominionism. Dominionism. Dominion, not diminutive. Right. Yes, there gotcha. is a subsect of evangelical Christianity which is extremely right-wing. Uh, it's, its representatives include Betsy DeVos, um, Kelly, uh, what's it, Rick Perry. Uh, Kellyanne Conway? No, I'm no. not about Kellyanne Conway, but um, the vice president, Mike Pence, uh, to some degree Barr. Barr is a, is a, is a very right-wing Catholic. Okay, so what, are they, what do they believe? Well, they believe that, um, that based on a Old Testament line in terms of that, you know, God has given... Us dominion, dominion over right. the earth. That's in the that's that in. that we have the right and the responsibility, in some sense, to exploit the earth as we see fit. It, Which we've done a pretty darn good job of. Right now, I, now let me let me point out that um, you know the Old Testament and the New Testament were not written in English, and many of well, the, I many was, of the I thought it was scholars, King James English. No, no, that, that's not the original language. That's King not James the original English? language. Okay. Many of the truths of the scholars of this movement. Which goes back to a uh, evangelical minister by the name of LaHaye, who wrote a series of books known as the Left Behind series. The Left Behind. Okay, series. now that's based on a prophecy from the Book of Ezekiel that there is going to be a, um, according to these books, there is going to be a final war to bring on the end times, and that final war will essentially be between uh, Iran and Russia and Israel, and that when this final war occurs. Um, this is the sign so the, the end times are here. For, and, of course, you know what happens after the end times. The rapture. The rapture, the rapture comes right. to, take, to take away all those who are truly deserving and leave the rest of us here so you with and, the Antichrist. you and I will be back here continuing to broadcast this program. That's correct. And okay. the Antichrist in the LaHaye series is a Romanian who is the UN Secretary General, right. who is a false prophet because he, the, this, this Secretary General wants, he's, he wants a peace, a worldwide peace, with one world government. Okay, so this is dominionism, and uh, how is it? Yeah, how well, is it? Become... Let me give you the other aspect of okay. dominionism, All which right. is the paranoid belief that everybody else, sec the secular world, is ruining it for for them. That you know they they have a mythologized past, right. uh, like you know, make even, America great even again. Though, even though you can somehow interpret the Book of Ezekiel as referencing Russia. Which was not even remotely created back when the Book of Ezekiel was written. Well, again, this is not high level of scholarship. Even the mm. issue of whether the word "dominion" is used in that sentence is a uh, subject of great uh, scholarly debate. Uh, multiple Jewish scholars point out that the word, in fact, has a dual meaning, right. which is both stewardship and dominion. Um, the Pope, our, our most recent Pope, wrote a 187 page encyclical supporting that those words, among other things, point to that we are supposed to care for this planet. Right. We are stewards of this planet. So it, mainstream Christian scholarship does not read that, that sentence the same way these people do. And, and, you know, this is the same group that says that Donald Trump has been chosen by God because he is the reincarnation of Cyrus, who is this libertine pagan uh, king who, uh, you know, freed the Jews from, from Babylonian rule. And in fact, one of the, the big ministers, Hagee, the guy who was at, the minister who was over in Israel when they opened the, uh, 
embassy in Tel Aviv, right. in, in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, yeah. Um, he and his crew are selling for $45 coins with Donald Trump on one side and Cyrus' picture on the other. Really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is this is your <clears throat> prosperity kind of preacher. Right. God wants you but, to be but, rich. But, but prosperity with an end in sight, and that end again. That end is to bring the rapture, rapture on. Yeah. Now my question to you is what what is the reason that we think the Iranians would be so dangerous that they had nuclear weapons? Well, I mean, I, I would say that anybody who has any, any well, nuclear weapon is dangerous. Why particularly are the Iranians more dangerous than some of the other countries, including Israel, that have nuclear weapons? Because any country that can defeat Alexander the Great, you don't want to mess with them. <laughs> no. How's I that? Mean, my, my point being is that I don't see that if you have a group of people who truly believe, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot my, my, you know, Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, who talked about the rapture and how we have to bring on the rapture, um, you know, to, to fight same-sex marriage. Um, he literally said this. Too late. He lost that one. Right. So um, how, how, how calm do you feel knowing that there are people in our government who truly believe we need to bring on the end times yeah, that, that, for the rapture? That's, that is deeply disturbing. Yeah. I don't feel any safer with them, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah. But it explains a lot of what goes on here. You, know, you ask, well, why would anybody be, be against kind of taking care of the environment? Because dominionism basically says, you don't need to. Right. right. It gets in the way of prosperity if you take care of the environment. It makes things so, cost more. So, how, but, how, but how does uh, the lust for prosperity fit in with a, a rush toward the end of times and the rapture? I mean, I would think if you're, if you're doing really well, if prosperity has been working because for you, these, you'd want to keep it going. Because these people are charlatans. They're con men and con women, just like the president. It's a con. So you you think they they don't they they they, they don't want to bring around the end, end of times? They're no, just using that argument. So you saying, for instance, well, there no, I think there are clearly some true believers. Oh yeah, I'm sure there are. You know, um, but there there was an article a couple of years ago talking about someone who worked with the, the DeVos family, and when they would meet, you know, with some of the other supposed dominionists that the DeVosses would would hang with, and he said, you know, for all the talk about the end times and the rapture, all these people cared about was they didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> so it's a con for the majority of the people. Yeah, and but, unfortunately, the people who are being conned are the people in the congregations. But, but the, the problem is if you have people in charge of oh, important systems of, oh, like say, the, the, the button that controls the nuclear arsenal, you know, it's not a hard leap to think that, okay, if that person genuinely believes that the end of times is a good thing, mm -hmm. because all the good people will be caught up in the rapture and end up in everlasting prosperity. My, uh, you, you know, if you've got people like with that mindset in charge, that's really dangerous. Well, you do really have scary. people with that mindset in charge, but, not but, Trump. Trump doesn't believe in anything. Well, no, he does. He believes in himself. Well, but he, 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 this is just, they tell him what he wants to hear. They tell him, you are God's chosen. That's what he meant when he was talking about God's chosen. He was just parroting what, he was parroting what, what some of the evangelical told. He is Cyrus. He is, he is... And he's got he, the coin to prove it. That's correct. He has yeah. the $45 coin <clears throat> to prove it. Yeah. Right. And it's really scary. I agree with you. I mean, you should read Jeff Charlotte's book. It's from 2008, but so it's how scary. Come, how come Democrats don't talk more about this? How come his opponents don't talk more about this? Uh, Even within the Republican Party. How come Mitt Romney doesn't talk about this? I, I, I have no idea. I, I think... That um, is it just too bizarre? It's too, too, it's too, too strange. Complex? It's too strange. It sounds anti-religious to call out these people. You but, know, but, and I mean, we're always we're always trying to call out false religions, whether they be mm -hmm. the, 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 the the David Koresh and the the, the crazies in Waco, Waco, Texas, or what? or James uh, Jim Jones and the uh, the Kool Aid toting. Uh, you know, uh, murderers there. I mean, there's all there's all these yeah. false uh, cults. The, uh, what was his church? Koresh's church. I don't Something know. Something Levidian, Levidians. Yeah, yeah. Branch, yeah. Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But so, but so, how, how is that any different than 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 a belief that that leads to you know basically a, you know suicide on a mass level on a, on a planetary scale? Well, it 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 shows you that um, the fact that we've avoided. Nuclear holocaust. Yeah. It's probably more luck than anything else because there are people who truly believe this, and you know there were people. If you want, if you want something similar, I mean, we always talk about Hitler and Trump, but the reality was there was a Christian church 
in that developed in you know in the late stages of the of the Weimar in Germany who thought Hitler played the same role that some people believe Trump's playing. Yeah, you know, so for the same I, reason. I, I promised our audience that this is going to be a segment where we kind of bring it back to something more positive. We did just the opposite. And it's all your fault. Well, but I, I agree. But I think you need to know what I think you need to know what's sure, happening. Good. I mean, because you know what? Is well, now, now that we know, what do we do about it? Well, we talk about you it. talk about it, and, right. and you Which talk, and, and, and you're right. And and the people who are against these kinds of policies, I mean, really, it, it's just like it's just like the you know the uh, Miami uh, Board of Engineers that was faced with a number of politicians who said they didn't want to build the wall. To keep the water out, yeah. because God said that he he wasn't going to flood the earth a second time, <laughs> and this is why it's really important that no matter what happens in the primary election, it's important to vote in the general election. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it, it, the choices are never perfect. This isn't a great system. A two party system is not a great system. Um, it's what we're stuck with. Yeah. But you know, if you leave Trump in place, these are the people who you're going to have around Trump. Um, these are not rationalists. These, you know, and they're dominion, and, and they dominionists. Apparently, they're dominionists, and it's not a ra- it, you know. Listen to Mike Pence. Yeah. Okay. Well, you listen to Mike Pence. I'll listen to Mike Pence, mm-hmm. and our audience won't have to because we'll tell you what Mike Pence is saying That's and thinking, correct. right? Yeah. No, no. It, it is important that we all engage on that. Hey, Charles. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to our production team of uh, Sherry Herdina, Kathy Burns. Thanks to our audience. Folks, you can always find us on the Fallon Forum website and listen to our community-owned stations for more content. Thanks again for tuning in to the Fallon Forum.